See, Hervé Jobert spent much of his life working for French intelligence. But he gave up all that 007 stuff to have a normal family, a normal life. Then one day, he was approached by a businessman with an offer to move to Dubai and open up a commercial submarine factory. So he packed up his scuba gear and moved to the Arabian Peninsula. I went to Dubai to a company specialized in the manufacturing of submarines. I knew about the Middle East. When I was a covert operative, I spent half of my life in Middle Eastern countries to do uh, covert operations. Libya, Lebanon, uh, Morocco, so I, I knew about the Middle East. When I told uh, around me, my friends, my parents, relatives, uh, that I was going to Dubai, many, many uh, people warned me that maybe it's not the right place to, to go. Well, I have to admit that I did not believe them. But also, I'm kind of an adventurous guy, so I said that I wanted to take the challenge. They gave me the title of CEO. From there, it was chaos and, and madness with the deadlines and people working uh, 14 hours a day. Dubai in a, in actually does not have money. The money they use is the money from investors, but they don't have money on their own. So uh, soon they realized that they could not afford anymore a submarine company because they just, they just did not have the money. So they pulled the plug. When they decide to pull the plug, they want you to pay back your salary. They were after me and that they were doing extortion, nothing but extortion by a government company. Dubai is uh, it's only 250,000 people, 1.5 million people who live there, but it's only 250,000 Emirates, the rest it's expatriate, foreigners. So they all know each other. They, they all have a cousin or an uncle uh, in the justice system or in the police. So when a company has a problem with you, he calls the police, either a friend or a parent or a relative, file a claim or ask the police to arrest you. They don't need to prove it. All they have to do is to accuse you of something. So I was arrested three times. I was interrogated three times. It's an interrogation room, there is no window. I was questioned by two officers in their traditional dress, you know, the white robe with the white scarf. Uh, one was playing the good cop, the other one was playing the bad cop, uh, really nasty. He would tell me I would never see my family again. They would lock me up in a hole uh, deep underground. They wanted me to confess so many other things, that I was a mercenary, that I was in Dubai to kill someone. They threatened me to be tortured if I did not confess. He gave me examples of what he would do to me, which was to insert needles in my nose. I've been in the intelligence service for a long time. I've never heard of that method. He talked about it like he was used to do it. It did not sound like he read it in a book a week before. Of course, I did not confess anything. They told me, give us $1 million and we give you your passport back and you can go home. I decided that I would not give them one dime. Because I'm a former intelligence officer, I decided uh, to escape the country. What I had to do is to play their games. I had to 
satisfy their ego to make them happy and to make them believe that I would give them the money. That all I needed was time to realize the amount. And they gave me two months. In 2009, they arrested 800 people who were trying to leave the country using different ways, fake passport, real passport, whatever. It doesn't work. Dubai is a cage. And then you have the ocean. I knew I knew I was going to escape on a boat. I'm a sailor, and also when I was a covert operator, that's the way I used to go in and out of countries on a boat. Before I escaped, I had to identify an escape point, like a beach. I explored the entire coast. I was looking for patrol boats, police boats. Because once you're under the water, I did not want to be uh, pulled over or checked by a police boat, or I did not want them to chase me or anything. I found a good one. However, there was a small patrol boat. So I decided that I would sabotage that boat to eliminate the problem. If somebody spotted me on the water, they would never be able to start the boat to chase me. I had somebody to ship me my frogman equipment. But I say frogman, in the US, the people would use Navy SEAL. The frogman suit, it's a rebreather. So when you breathe, you do not produce bubbles. So it's a quiet way to move under the water and stay unnoticed. And then I put my equipment on. And you're talking about 50 pounds of equipment here, it's heavy. I could not go around with the military frogman equipment on me, so I put on the abaya, which is the black burqa that Arabic women wear in the Middle East. It's the best disguise you can wear, because once you wear the abaya, you become invisible. Nobody's going to talk to you, nobody's going to look at you, not even a police officer. So when you are covered head to toes with the, with the burqa, with gloves, all in black, you are invisible. So I put the abaya on top of my equipment. I look like a fat woman, but who cares? I will never forget that feeling. I mean, walking through the lobby of a hotel with a military frogman disguised like a woman. And then when I went outside, a friend took me to the beach. I went in the water, swam in the Coast Guard station. I climbed on the boat to clog the fuel lines. It's like one o'clock in the morning, all lights are off, nobody's outside, nobody's watching. I'm all in black. I even trained my eyesight to night vision. You know, like a week before, I had a special diet and a special training. So when I was on the boat, I didn't need a flashlight. Uh, I was extremely focused to what I do. So after I clogged the fuel line, I, I went back in the water, back to the beach, back to the hotel. I took a good rest, uh, took a good meal, because the next day was the escape. I bought a sailboat. I had a friend who took my sailboat and sailed it to the international waters. I could not do it myself, because when you go out on a sailboat, you need to show passport, you need to ask for the permission. We met at the marina, I took the rubber boat from the sailboat, the rubber boat was on the sailboat, so I put it in the water. On the rubber boat it's not a problem, because nobody's going to ask you anything on a rubber boat, because it looks like a beach toy. So with my rubber boat, I was taking like an evasive course. It's not like going straight offshore, because it could look suspicious. So I was kind of circling around, you know, like I was playing. 
but going away and away and away little by little. Uh, I had set up a rendezvous point with my friend. I had a GPS, he had the same GPS. And it took, I waited six hours. Once I was in the international waters, I had a tremendous feeling of freedom. So I was watching the ocean and then uh, I saw the mast. It looked like a toothpick on the horizon and that was, uh, that was my sailboat. Oh, I, I felt that that's a very uh, powerful uh, feeling. I mean, lo looking at my boat coming to me. You know, the boat got bigger and bigger on the horizon and uh, I was so excited that uh, finally, I finally made it. I finally made it. As you might imagine, Hervé is busy chilling on a beach somewhere. If you want to know more of the gritty details about his escape, check out his book, Escape from Dubai. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.